0: How's it going, guys? Welcome to the Energized Podcast. We are live here with Will fucking Flurry, Bellator middleweight fighter. Will, how are you doing?
1: I'm fucking great.
2: Welcome to the show. Great to be here, lads. Okay, well, first
1: of all, we've been friends for a while online. Um, do you want to explain how you actually started out in MMA? Yeah, um, so it's a fairly well known story, i say, at this stage, but uh, I broke my foot playing rugby in America, a uh, game of sevens on Randall's Island in New York. A uh, fat American lad, I was passing a rugby ball off and his knee just came down onto the arch of the foot. Um, I tried to play on and then my foot started swelling up big time. Came over, couldn't even get my shoe off. Uh, went for fucking X ray over in New York, and obviously it's not free healthcare over there. So I went in to some shitty little hospital up in Harlem and waited for about twenty hours, and I finally got an X ray. And uh, yeah, they turned out the arch was crushed. I'd have to get a surgery on it. They were saying. So I got, I like went into the fellow I was working for at the time, explained the situation. He was like, "Look, you're gonna have to head off home, but I'll give you a job the next summer if you want." So. Uh, flew home, had it looked at at home. The guy was like, I think you might be able to get away without surgery. But the best thing you could do was boxing footwork. So I went into like kind of a boxing gym down in Cork. And it was owned by a guy, Stuart, who was setting up an MMA gym at the time a bit as well. He was like, look, you're a good athlete. You're a big lad. Any chance you give the MMA a crack? And I was like, yeah, definitely. <laughs> and so you mean, days, were
0: you playing for Armour or anything when you are playing sevens or was it just a local team?
1: No, it was a team over in New York. It was like um, New York Rugby Club or Village Lions, I think they were called. But there was a few teams, like there was a good few seventh clubs out there.
0: And did you go back and take your man up on the job offer? Yeah, oh, yeah, I, I went back. Oh. Yeah, yeah. So
1: I went and qualified as a surveyor. It was actually him. So at the time, I was doing international development and food policy in college in UCC. And that was kind of a charity-based course. Mm. And you'd end up working for like the UN or it would have been kind of work out in Cambodia or, you know, charity-based work, basically um but to be honest it all seemed like a bit of bollocks and it kind of seemed like you'd be taken from charities more than you'd actually be given like and a lot of our lectures were pretty cynical and they were just like nah look you're gonna end up fucking you're gonna end up being a drain on this more than you're gonna help it <laughs> like um and then yeah and then i went over this lad was offering me decent money and i was just thinking all right fucking i may as well do this so i went back and qualified as a surveyor and i was supposed to move over to new york once i finished up but I had a girlfriend for about six, seven years at the time, and she couldn't get a visa to go over, so I moved to London instead.
0: Fair enough, fair enough. And uh, come here, you turned pro in 2016, uh, if that's correct, is it? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, what are the main differences between an amateur fighter and a pro fighter, bar the pay?
1: Very little, to be honest. As in, amateurs these days they act like professionals. They're in there training two, three times a day they're super committed from like look all the lads we have anyway they're not just messing around this isn't a hobby for them like they're looking to go pro and they look you know they act as if they're professionals the main thing i suppose is the exposure you get like as in Lee Hammond just won the amateur world championships he got a bit out of it like but uh, the country doesn't really recognize it that much and you know even from a point of view of like when he goes pro his records oh no and nobody gives a shit what he did at amateur like so I suppose the biggest thing is just how people perceive it, but in reality, the fighters there's very little difference between the two. There's a lot of amateurs out there who could beat a lot of low level pros, like.
2: If you, if you were to recommend what way you'd go from amateur to professional, so would you say it'd be after like ten fights, or do you think it would be like once you're about or twenty six would you go pro?
1: No, I thought like there's no age in particular. I'd say it's more how you feel about it and how experienced you are in the sport you do need to give it a couple of years you do need to kind of learn your trade a bit and you know know the ins and outs of every situation before you're like taking your pro career seriously but it like there's some guys who could fight three four times at amateur and they're ready and they're athletic and they should go for it there's a load of guys who i've encouraged to go pro earlier but there's then there's guys who want 15 20 fights and they want to get comfortable and maybe they've had a few bad experiences in fights and they kind of need to get that out of their system.
2: Well, it's only because like, just- no 29 yeah 29, so a professional 26. yeah so that's probably a good age as well because like at 26 you have a bit more life experience and also like you can probably take a win and a loss better than some a young guy who goes pro with 17 and 18 takes a loss and might be like what what else can I do really you know and also you have the backing of a degree as well
1: yeah I suppose so when I got into the sport it seemed like being a professional fighter wasn't necessarily the only outcome you were just like look this is going to be something I enjoy doing and I like fighting, and I like the buzz of the challenge, and yeah. that was why I got into the game. It wasn't to, like, make a career out of this and become a pro. Um, now, I did always want to be fucking super good at it as soon as I got into it. The main goal was be be able to beat everybody, mm-hmm. be the alpha, be the king of this, but making money out of it didn't seem like that viable an option. It was 2010 at the time. Then the whole Connor thing happened, and I was training over and lo- like, you know, I was always super into it, so, like, even when I moved over to London... I was out in London Shoot Fighters five nights a week. You know, I was working, like, 40, 50 hours a week a lot of the time. But I was straight on that train every time. I'd, like, finish work, get out there, get back, get five hours sleep, get up again the next day. Yeah. Um, so it wasn't like I didn't want something from it, but I just wasn't sure that it was a viable career. So I had to leave it for a little while before I was like, okay, I can actually make money from this, and this could be something that's supporting me eventually. Like um, With being a bit older as well, like, I do think... You have a little bit more life experience and you're able to take the ups and like this game, it'll destroy you in a lot of ways. Like, you know, there's going to be huge highs, huge lows. And you see young lads coming in and they're 20 and they feel that first low and their character never quite recovers. I wouldn't go like, that's the nature of the game in a way. And some guys will be able to deal with it. And it is just like inherent character. But in a way, yeah, you're probably better off being a little bit older, like maybe, you know, 22, 23. Before you get out there and really expose yourself to the world. But some lads are able to handle it.
0: No, that's fair enough. Um, look, you seem to be more than capable, more than ready to go. Um, you seem to be handling the professional life very well. And just since you turned pro, obviously you've done some regional shows and now you signed for a massive organisation in Bell Tour. What are the differences between leading up to a fight and then fighting on a regional show and then, you know, fighting in Bell Tour?
1: Training wise, it's the exact same thing, you know. um Obviously, there's a bit more hype around it when it's a bigger show, but, like, I probably trained harder for most of these regional fights, like, and I was probably, you know, in a kind of place where I felt like, oh, I've got to be doing this, I've got to be doing that. Now I know what I'm doing, I'm confident in what I, like, I know I've trained an awful lot of the time, so I'm able to take that break and kind of let my body recover a bit. Back then, you were kind of, like, panic training a lot, you're, you know. You're going for it, and you think like every session, I've got to get the absolute most out of this. I've got to give it 100%. Like, you're more experienced. I suppose, like, right, the difference between performing in front of 10,000 people is you know, there's going to be a buzz on the night, and you know, there's going to be a ton of people there who are your buddies and your mates, like, who are invested in this. So, that's nice in a way, because I've won fights and gone home, and nobody gives a fuck, like, yeah. you know, and it, like, at least when you win this, you know people care about it, mm. um, the thing is, like, most of the professional fights I've had, like, okay, there was the battle zone one, and there was, you know, there wasn't a whole lot of buzz around that, but, like, my second fight was in Bama, it was in the SSC arena, it's a good crowd there, there was probably six or 7,000 people at that, um, my third pro fight so was you're in South, South Africa, there,
2: we? open Belfast, oh, you were open Belfast, yeah, this yeah,
0: Excuse me,
1: you go on. I was at that guard. I was cornering Pedro, the Portuguese lad, on that guard. He won a very uh, short notice that
0: night, didn't
1: he? Yeah. yeah, he took it on three and a half weeks' notice, I think, and he made a uh, featherweight for it, and he was in savage shape, and he just fucking went in and battered Daniel Crawford. Yeah. It was great. Well,
0: yeah, we, we actually went to that. We, we ended up uh, at the after party as well. Gay uh, was asking we gave me his belt and everything. I was like, "This is incredible." Yeah. <laughs> you were up in the
1: top yeah. floor, yeah. I was there as well. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. We were up there. I
0: thought it was. I thought it was hilarious. It, it, it was. It was, it was quite a unique um, aspect of mixed martial arts that there's a massive amount of camaraderie there as well. You know, win or lose, a lot of the fighters like, are around each other afterwards.
1: Yeah, look, it's... It's something where you know what the other person's gone through to get to this point, so you have to respect... Like, there are guys in the game that I don't respect that much who, like, I don't like their character, I don't like the way they look at the game. But, in general, when somebody's gone through something and you know what it is, you're going to have a bit of respect for that guy. And, like... It's easy to get on with people when you've all fucking shared similar experiences, I suppose. Yeah, sure. It's all that and the octagon after. Yeah, exactly. Like, to me, to me it is. unless somebody's done something fucking pretty ridiculous, the lad who elbowed me in the back of the head 14 times, I still got on with that guy afterwards, but I didn't fucking like him. As in, I was still, like, personable-ish. Like, I'd fucking talk to him if we were making coffee beside each other. But it was like, fuck you, you fucked me over, and you lied about fucking me over. Like, so, I didn't see the elbows, because they were obviously to the back of my head. And he came over to me, like, right before we were being told what was going to happen and what the solution was. And uh, he was like, yeah, look, maybe one or two kind of clipped, but most of them were on the air, like, you know. You can see from your
2: personality, it's more like, uh, it's very Irish. You know I mean? Like, we have a lot of, like, American listeners, Canadian listeners, and obviously, like, Irish listeners. But uh, you can tell certain Irish fighters have this personality that you really want want to follow it, and it's sort of interesting. And that's why, like, I saw even the way when you were... I'm moving forward here. It's to the belt or to card i saw he's both squared up face to face and then after like you were just like he shook his hand walked away and it was like I there's
1: something so irish about it yeah like i i kind of find the whole buzz of it like the competitive in your face aspect and then respecting the guy comes pretty fucking naturally to me like as in and i think it might come naturally to kind of our culture if you know what i mean where you're you're up for it you're gonna go for it but at the end of the day it's not personal like you know, I'm going to get in your face, I'm going to, like, fucking, if we're fighting, we're going to fight to the death, yeah. but it's not personal.
2: No, no, exactly, even, uh, sorry, after your first professional win, oh, sorry, second professional win uh, against Colin McClerkin in, in Bama 28, I saw after the fight, like, you went over and you were just talking to him the whole time,
1: Yeah. I would so, yeah.
2: say it was, like, Romero and Luke Rockhold, but it was, uh, it was, it was, it was, it was nice, it was good to see that, like, that's how you can build upon him, not all these people have to be, like, fuck you, throw the fingers, like, you're literally, like,
1: thanks for that and uh, we'll have a beer after yeah yeah so um, I got a load of best (laughs) mates I invited him out for a pint after and uh, he was a bit fucked so he just went home that night but he's a really like Kyle's fucking bang on bloke but uh, one of the lads in the gym gave me serious abuse because like I knocked him out I ran around the cage shouting for about 30-40 seconds and then I came over and I like slapped him on the back (laughs) and your man was like he was still half out of it and you were hitting him again so yeah he absolutely
0: Celebrated right in his face, and then went, oh, "I love you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this being Rock open <laughs> Fuck it <laughs> it is what it is. You know I mean? you have, to, you can't not celebrate when you win, especially when you put in, you know, 8, 10, 12 week training camp, and you know, I mean, like, that's what you're there for.
1: You know, what I mean? And it's not to shit on him. Look, look, I got knocked down my last fight, and the lad ran around the cage celebrating a fu- like a mad fucker. I don't care. Fair play to him. You know. And um, with Bellator signing you, how did that come about? So I'd won what seven amateur fights in a row. Um, the four pro fights and two fights on the show down in South Africa um, and sorry, I suppose... sorry, before
2: we get into that talk,
1: yeah. I just wanted to mention the sort of
2: fight uh, career after that win against Colombia in Bama 28 you actually then went on to the South African version of the Ultimate Fighter yeah yeah now a lot of people that follow us like, like when we discussed the Ultimate Fighter obviously like the first ever Ultimate Fighter was probably the creation of MMA obviously the uh, first way could be um First Griffin. Oh sorry, first Griffin. First Whitaker. Yeah, beat yeah. 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 Stephen Bonnar and probably one of the best. Yeah, like, and sort of saved, saved UFC. Yeah. yeah, 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 saved UFC. But, but
1: uh, how did, how did you go about going on the other fighter? South Africa? Basically, like j- so that Yeah, TF One <laughs> was what they were calling it. But basically, I got a text message off John asking would I be up for doing this thing in Africa I just had my fight in Cork which was supposed to be an MMA fight and the guy pulled out and then Johnny Jitsu showed up and we had a boxing match and and I was mad to go again and I'd been looking for like I'd had the Bama fight in February I think and I really wanted to fight like five six times that year and I was mad to fight so I'd been in pestering every promoter I could and you know onto John Lode then he got me like you know he sent me this and he was like look if you're willing to go out to africa this be a good opportunity And sure i was delighted like um and yeah but like it was a mad one i wasn't sure it was going to happen until about a week beforehand so it was like early september and i'd not renewed the lease of my gaff so i was going to be like going one way or the other because we were supposed to be out there filming for about two and a half months and um they sent me through an email being like okay it's all confirmed you're good to go but they I'd had so little contact with them all, like and I'd been emailing these lads back and forth for a while, but like they'd been slow to get back to me about everything. They were all a bit sketchy. I was just like, Sure, this this doesn't seem legit at all. And I went like it was only when I went to the airport and like gave everyone my passport and the ticket started printing out, I was like, Okay, this is actually happening now. <laughs> like But it was a fucking amazing experience as in going down there. We lived in an absolute mansion down in Santon in South Africa, uh, just outside Joburg. Um, like it was pretty much like the United Nations. There was two, a Ghanaian lad, a Cameroonian fella, two South Africans, an American, an Aussie, um, an an Algerian, and And Will fucking Fleury. There was ten of a Brazilian guy as well. Um, And
0: how long were you there for?
1: Two and a half months, roundabout.
0: Oh wow, that's a very long time. Yeah. Is that very strange to live there? Um, with the people you're going to be fighting because I think
1: that's always the sort of issue that comes up okay so I talked to Chris and Cole before I went out there because I was training out in swords a good bit at the time and I was like look what's the you know how do you gear up for this like and they were like look just you know you're not going to enjoy it it's just going to be really tense all the time all this sort of, you know mm. it's very boring and like you basically just get kind of inundated with like or just overwhelmed by the boredom like yeah I fucking loved it I was shocked as in like I went down there and I had that kind of attitude of like, right, fuck you, I'm the alpha here. And like, I had the Irish flag out, like hung in the kind of entrance of the house straight away. I feel like what's here. Well, good stuff. And you even got your logo on it. Yeah. That's class. <laughs> we made sure to bring out the Irish flag for yourself.
2: Nice. Yeah. But uh, what was actually, what was the main language spoken in
1: the house? It was English. Yeah. Everybody spoke a little bit of English. Okay. Now it was, was it a big house? Yeah. It was fucking you, like as in, um, there was what, 10 of us and it was two to a room so there was six rooms I think because it was like all the cameramen were living in Gaff as well and they had like the master bedroom and a few of them were sleeping in there but yeah there was six or seven rooms in the house and like there was a massive open patio area um, swimming pool out the back That was it was nice yeah. enough Gaff yeah yeah and all your food like whatever you put down on a list you'd have the next day so it was it was class I loved it like home. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if they hadn't stopped filming I'd be over there like Brilliant,
0: and then obviously came back, and then obviously Bellator came home, with around, with half
1: SPG on the way as well. So I actually fought with Brave in between, so I came back, I won, so what happened was I got elbowed in the back of the head a lot of times yeah. in my semi-final fight, or it was like, yeah, the semi-finals basically, and um, I assumed, like, because look, I went down there and we did an induction session, mm. and there was 10 of us there, and they were all undefeated middleweights, fuck like it's easy to say this now but like i whooped everybody's ass in that induction session and like i was the first pick on the teams um and that was a great boost for me as well like i was you know i felt great about myself for those few oh, weeks afterwards so, so i text john and i was just like look i'm gonna win this thing and i'm gonna get that title shot like this is gonna be great like um and it was a good buzz around the whole thing at the time as well and then they obviously ended really shittily like with i'd taken that guy down i was beating him in that fight it's hard not to be a little bit bitter over the whole thing, to be honest, and how they dealt with it as well. Because, you know, it had they given me any sort of like, I got elbowed in the back of the head a lot of times. I felt fine. I felt like I could have fought on even at the time. I was more than willing to go for it again. They called it no contest and then they ruled me out on the basis of concussion, saying you can't compete because you're concussed. I understand that, you know, health and safety is the biggest thing and the health of the fighter and all this, but it didn't feel like they were doing me any sort of a favor here.
0: And
1: where was the guy you were fighting from? He
0: was the Aussie. Okay, interesting. I, I thought maybe if he was South African,
1: they might have, you know... Been pushing him because yeah. of that. No, and even he hasn't fought with them since, or he hasn't done anything with them since. Um, and, yeah, it, it, oh, it was a very strange decision on their part, because, like, they knew that I would have been a good promotional tool for them. Yeah. But, yeah, look... Like, Irish guy. Yeah, yeah, guy. no, and they loved it, like, they were loving the shtick, and even on the show, like, I had a little bit of... There was an English lad over there as well. Um, what was his name? Junaid. And I was giving him awful abuse a lot, like, and it was good back and forth. He was a bit of crack in the end, like, but we genuinely didn't like each other for the first few weeks. And I was having a little bit of back and forth with him, and it was great, like... Can you find any of these episodes online? No, because they have it on a South African streaming network called Kweze, okay. uh which only airs, like, South Africa and the Middle East. So I have a ton of, like, lads and fucking back hours nowhere Pakistan had me on Facebook every day because <laughs> this show is out there over there but nobody in Ireland knows anything about it <laughs> and
0: then you saw Brave. Brave Brave seemed to have a very good connection with uh, SBG like if Keen Coyotes fighting over on Brave Brave I'm pretty sure Dylan Tewks fought on Brave uh, how did that come about
1: then? yeah so um, I'd actually been signed to Brave before this I went down with Ben Forsyth, my mate who fought in Brave for two or three fights I think and we were down in Abu Dhabi and um, Youssef, their matchmaker came up to me and was like look I've seen a couple of your fights like you know I've seen you're undefeated an amateur would you be interested in fighting with us and I was like yeah because they were paying a lot better than anybody else was at the time and uh, that was September that was March 2017 and then that summer they were talking about doing a fight in Brazil so I was gearing up for that they weren't coming through on that and then i took the fight i'd actually been contracted to them but your contract only started when you fought so i took that fight in cork in the meantime on cage legacy guy pulled out of that obviously then i fought johnny jitsu in the boxing match then i got back on to them saying look i might have this reality show that i'm doing and your man Yusef, he's very reasonable he was like look that sounds like an amazing opportunity to go for it and when i came back from that he was back on to me saying like okay do you want to fight with us now and uh yeah i went out there and fought i went to jordan And fought a guy, Tariq Suleiman, who was like training out in Tiger Muay He's a black belt now, actually, but he was a brown belt at the time. And I was surprised, like, he was a really tough dude. Uh, He was the first guy I couldn't put away. And I was just shocked how, like, strong the guy was, like, and how kind of grippy he was. He was just solid everywhere. But, yeah, won that in a kind of gritty enough fight.
2: people be showing up as well for Tom, because there's so much irish talent coming through now it's actually
1: ridiculous so these guys aren't physically coming into the gym but they'd be watching like they'll be watching your fights they'll be obviously keeping an eye on your social media or whatever so i don't like it's kind of a tricky one you know a lot of it is going to be like john and john getting yeah you know, like john got yeah. me into bellator 100 percent. yeah a in yeah, yeah. I'd like look like SPG and the whole thing is just it's incredible to have it here and it's amazing that it's in Ireland like I was saying this on Nola Keeps podcast but like it's incredible that this is pretty much the best gym in Europe and it's in Dublin and it's you know like
2: yeah and they just opened up a new
0: one from a, what's called it? what's the road No, oh there's a long mall road one. yeah that one there it's the big one yeah, the, yeah, but, yeah but I think it's, it's m- up a new one around the corner yeah it? it's an inch
1: core I think Yeah, oh, um, I didn't even know
0: they're doing that but I think there's yeah. what like 10 SPGs now in doing- Dublin there's like SPG Black Rock yeah more SPGs than Starbucks yeah exactly Because <laughs> <laughs> all but, we're not going to name them all but you know what I mean like Paddy Hoolan has one Chris Fields has one um, Owen Roddy has uh, you know what I mean yeah full name. when's the Will Flurry one coming
1: on? ah we'll see we'll see <laughs> yeah
0: he'll open one over in South Africa <laughs> <laughs> beside the mansion
1: <laughs> SPG Tipperary or yeah. something
0: oh no, that'd be brilliant yeah. so uh, we'll move on to your Bellator so was that true John as well then yeah yeah Brilliant, so now you're there, uh, obviously you're, the first fight didn't go, go your way. Is that the first time you've ever lost in far yeah. 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 Well, that, that must have been a rough one to deal with.
1: It was more of just like, I think there was an element of complacency, because ugh, I haven't even been in a close fight, to be honest. Like Before this, I'd literally gone in and dominated every fight I'd ever been in. I looked up this lad, I saw his skill set, Like my opponent got changed as well. So the first lad was uh, Massimiliano Sarmacio. And he was 6-1. And, and he'd been beaten by this guy, actually, Alan Amandowski, who uh, just seemed solid. Like, he just seemed like a good, gritty fucker who got in there and, like, wore guys out. And then eventually he had the kind of explosiveness to finish guys with ground and pound. He seems to be a knockout artist. He's still undefeated as well. Yeah, and he's knocked everyone out. So he's 8-0 and, and he's knocked everyone out. Like, he's a legit enough lad. Like, look, I would like I underestimated the guy and I was complacent, to be honest. But... At the same time, I feel like as an Aaron Martin, like, look, I'd love to fight him again. But you you know the nature of the game. It's not like I fucking I haven't had my ass whooped in gyms before this. Like, I've done a lot of sparring sessions where you're like, you know, you're not fucking kingpin afterwards. Like, but like, this, I suppose, was my first time losing in competition. You're obviously gutted. You're devastated in so many ways. But it's more like, look, I just want a chance to redeem that. And the most frustrating thing afterwards has been the lack of opportunity to fight again. So, as soon as that fight was over, you're gutted, you're devastated. But you want to fight. Like, You want to be able to prove, look, I'm fucking good at this. I know I can beat nine guys out of ten. Like, on my fucking day, I feel like I can beat some of the best middleweights in the world. And obviously, I'm only going to get better and better. So, like, this is it. I want the challenges. I want, like The next guy I'm fighting is 8-1. You look at a lot of these guys in the card, they're not exactly top level dudes i want to fight the best lads and i want to get fights that are going to get me somewhere so i'm looking for the challenges um and i think that's kind of a different attitude to a lot of young pros at the moment like uh but yeah look it was shit losing basically (laughs)
2: what the sort of fight week is like. I know you did it overnightly there for two or three, but um, can you sort of explain what they should sort of expect? And um yeah, because they're going to be sitting up during fight week, couldn't wait, and they're like going into a new situation, whereas you've experienced. So can you explain the sort of fight week? I know, I know you flew over on the Wednesday or something, but just what the background of
1: the yeah. is like, you know? So, so I've done this a couple of times with a few different places. So like, you know, the EFC fight, I flew out two weeks beforehand. I just start the whole sentence. Yeah, so look, um I've had a couple of fight weeks where like I've been down there for the whole week beforehand. With South Africa I flew out two and a half weeks before and just because it was in Pretoria, the fight was at altitude. That was probably the most intense build up to a fight I've ever had because it was their end of year event. I was fighting a South African guy, I had a lot of fans booing me everywhere I went and people knew me from the reality show. So I was going into like the supermarkets down there and people had come up and they'd want a photo with you and then they'd be like, I hope your man knocks you out ah, and they'd run away like <laughs> So I actually enjoyed the whole thing. It was a good buzz. It was a good build-up. But uh, Bellator was a lot less intense that time over in Italy because, you know, the hotel we were staying in, nobody really knew. Nobody knew what the... Yeah, nobody was interested in the fights. We just kind of stayed there for a few days, then got bust into the city, fought in the city, and it was all done. Um, obviously, for the lads who were fighting here for the first time, I suppose some of them will have fought on barma cards and have fought in the tree arena already. For the guys who haven't, it's going to be more the venue. Than the fight week and the build up, because at the end of the day it doesn't matter who you're fighting for. You're just getting into a cage and fighting somebody. It's the guy in front of you is the main issue. Like, um, obviously, I hope there's a bit more buzz. Like, I, like it seems like it's going to be a pretty special night, and that there's going to be a massive crowd there, and there should be a really good atmosphere because of that. Uh, like, that's a huge advantage to it. Like, as long as you're willing to use that, and I love when the crowd have an energy, even if the energy is against you. As long as there's a buzz in the room. I think it's a lot easier to come in and, like, put on a hell of a performance and even feel like you're going to fucking go out in your shield, No matter, you know, if you're willing to fucking die for it that night, like, as long as the crowd are up for it, like. So, for those lads who are coming in for the first time, I just hope they utilize the buzz that'll be there because there will definitely be a buzz this time around.
0: Yeah, it's going to be probably potentially the biggest night in Irish mixed martial arts history, if not second behind UFC Dublin, but it's really, really up there. The talent on the card is absolutely phenomenal. Um, it's almost like SPG versus the world.
1: Pretty much, yeah. Yeah,
0: so like th- it's gonna be a full arena. It's gonna be very, very loud in typical Irish fashion.
1: I've no doubt the fans are gonna be fucking quality. As in, like I've been there to, like I've been supposed to fight there three times before now, and I've been to a ton of events in the tree arena. And like that night when James fought. Uh, pretty boy yeah pretty boy taylor and king mo was the main event afterwards and like half the crowd were gone for the king mo fight but the atmosphere before dylan came out and fought and the before that bellator card kicked off was fucking amazing so if it's even and i like to be honest it's a better card this time around there's better guys on it and it's you know there's more irish lads on it so if it's past that atmosphere we're in for a fucking great night you know so it feels like it's going to be a special one
0: no, it's definitely cool and with so much SPG talent on the card, the gym must be really buzzing and like the spars in the gym must be excellent. Also, because 'cause you're one of the like so lar- uh, in the one of the larger weight classes, there's a lot more bigger guys in S P G now than there used to be. Like back in the day, like anything past welterweight, there wasn't much there.
1: Yeah, it's always an issue for a bigger lad like um but at the moment, like you said, there's a huge buzz in the gym and because of like it sucks in people who aren't even fighting in the card who are, like, just pulled in by the energy and the buzz and the atmosphere around the whole thing. So right now, every day you're training, there's sorry, excuse me, 40 or 50 guys on the mats just ready to go, and half of those guys are going to be kind of in a size that I could potentially grapple with or, you know, move around with. Whereas on a normal week, you might have 20 guys on the mat, and you might have three, four guys who might be able to grapple with you. Like, So it's great, yeah.
2: Dublin's happened.
1: You're on this card. This is probably like the best news you can hear. Yeah, it was great. Yeah. Um, So as soon as it got... I was trying to get a fight as soon as the Rome card was finished, basically. Um, the next day, I just was like, okay, can I get a, on a card over in America or anything? I have the visa, so it'd be easy enough for them to put me on a card over there. Um, They were saying, look, we're probably going to come to Dublin later in the year, so just hang on for that. Then I got given a date for December... That card didn't end up happening and I was gutted about that. And then I was on sure like what Rome is six, seven months ago now. And I've been waiting basically since that. And then like when Dublin got can or when December seventh got cancelled, um, I was trying to get anything, I was trying to get over to Hawaii. Any of those cards they didn't want to put me on those because they were like, Look, we have a Dublin card, you're Irish, we're gonna leave you wait for that Dublin card that's been incredibly frustrating man i would have liked to have fought two or three times since then you know and i would have liked to have kind of had that opportunity to prove how resilient i am this loss it's not gonna fucking set me back at all like and i want the opportunity to be able to show that in a way it's been a ball's waiting but maybe it's positive thing that i now get to fight in front of a home crowd to get my kind of buzz back to get you know the mojo back and the swing and the momentum back but uh yeah like it comes about true john basically it's uh John will get on to you and just say, okay, here's the date we're being given. You're potentially being touted on this card, and then you'll get a little text saying, okay, this is the guy.
0: Excellent. And who are going to be your main sparring partners leading up to fight? Obviously, oh, we're four or five weeks away from fight night. And then who's in Will Flurry's uh, corner come fight night?
1: So my cornermen are Ben and Tommy, Ben Forsyth and Tommy Martin. And uh, they're kind of like... We're the dream team, basically. Like, any time I've had the two boys, it's been a great fight and a great, like, night. Does
0: Ben do um, some sort of coffee thing, does
1: he? Yeah, eight-corner coffee. Um, so he's, like, he's now kind of retired from mixed martial arts, you know, from competition, but he still comes in, he trains in the gym, whatever. watch
0: shout out one more time?
1: Eight-corner coffee. <laughs> <laughs> it's good stuff.
0: Good stuff. And then John as well, really, or... Johnny John, Redmond? No, John Cabner. As well,
1: or, oh, yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry. Know, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. like, <laughs> like, like a <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, 100%. Like, it'll be, like, John is the main corner man, and the two boys are, like, my backup kind of guy. Like, John is everybody's corner man, if you get me. And he's the guy, like, he'll be the one talking while I'm there. Um, yeah, exactly. So, like, they're going to be the guys warming me up. They're going to be my guys, essentially. Whereas John is going to be down by the cage half tonight. Like, Like, he'll be staying there, I suppose yeah pretty much um, obviously like we well, built up uh, like a little following to
2: Conor McGregor obviously running a muck over in America and then a lot of Americans are like oh what do these Irish guys I have to say about Conor but uh, someone who's just as experienced is John Kavanagh who is obviously you know going to be in your corner as well can you just explain what makes John Kavanagh great because um, I think like a lot of like mainstream media doesn't actually see the work he's putting in and I feel like in about like 20 or 30 years time people are going to look back and be like this fella's like The
1: Yoda of Irish MMA. Yeah, not just Irish MMA, like of MMA. And, you know, he's definitely the best coach in Europe and, you know, possibly the best coach in the world. But I think, look, everybody is just a person. And he's just got a good way of going about the whole thing. He's analytical. He's an intelligent guy. He's very calm. He's experienced enough to know what to say and when to say it. So, I think a lot of it is just like, and he says this a lot in general, just keep showing up. And he's a coach who kept showing up and he's been doing it for 20 odd years, but he also has a progressive mindset. You could show up and you could not look at the details of things, but he's a, he shows up, he sees it, he analyzes it, and then he makes a little plan of how he's going to implement that or deal with it like. Yeah,
2: because he's sort of like in a different situation to a lot of people. Like obviously big coaches like uh, Ray Longo or stuff wouldn't be as mainstream Whereas, like, John was, like, a celebrity himself in Ireland as well. So it must be hard for him to balance fighting all these new up-and-coming fighters or future stars to be, and also balancing that with the other side of the stuff where he's getting asked on podcasts, being one of the faces now of for himself, and he's not even a fighter, you know? It must be a weird balancing
1: act for himself. Yeah, he's keeping a lot of plates spinning, and, like, you'd wonder how he does it sometimes. But, like, I think he just, he's a way of, like knowing what what he has to deal with so he's not going to get involved in the minute details of everything he's going to go here's the general buzz here's where you need to be at this point in this day you know but he don't like it's surprising how hands-on he is like you know considering there's what 12 guys on this card he's going to be there for all of my spars he's going to be there every day i'm training he's going to be watching you know a decent proportion of my training every day and yet he has 15 20 other things like you know there's Eleven other guys on the gym fighting in the card. It's amazing how much one on one attention you get and how much of his time you get. I don't know how he does it to be honest. You know? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I think a lot of the time in mainstream media people just perceive John to be Connor's head coach and then they, they actually forget about everyone else. But when you actually see John Cameron do an interview or talk, he almost treats everyone the exact same. Obviously when Connor has a fight like he almost gets priority at times, but a lot of the time he's like people people you can almost see some interviewers ask and go. So what are you going to do now Connor's Conor's fight's over? It's like, well, actually, I have, you know, a fight in Dublin tomorrow, and then I'm off to Prague, and then, you know what I mean? Yeah. He's probably the busiest man in mixed martial arts anywhere.
1: Yeah, 100%. And I'm like, I don't envy the travel at all, because he's all over the world all the time, and he's still back coaching Monday to Friday most weeks. Like. And he's going
0: books in between, you know, win or learn. Like. Yeah, it's
1: crazy. Like, like I said, man, he spins a lot of plates, and I don't know how he keeps them all up, like...
2: Had his first wave of footballers like the class of ninety two uh, uh, like Conor McGregor, Fender, Paddy Henry, now this is the second wave going for the Champions League again. Basically, like this is a huge night for Irish MMA. Oh, I don't, I don't know when it's really going to hit the city when people are really going to understand how important like that night will be. But um, what, what are you sort of thinking about Bellator on the twenty third in Dublin? Um I think this is like a huge opportunity for a, for a lot of these players first of all put the name out there like a win for these guys on this card will be massive it'll also be massive for Irishham for Bellator to maybe come back later on the year as well yeah look uh, best fans uh, in the world
1: yeah and like they're already shocked with how many tickets have gone out and the level of interest there's been but I do think it's the type of thing Fair folks, (laughs) Um, no, but I do think it's the type of thing where once people see what it is and they see the level of talent that is there. Because look, lads, all the guys training on it or all the guys on this card have been training their balls off for years and years and years, and they have legit skills, and they're going to be going in against guys with legit skills and putting on a fucking serious show. And I just hope, like, look, I've no doubt that it will be an amazing atmosphere that night, and I've no doubt that anyone who's there. Is gonna go home and talk to everyone that they would meet that day or the next five six days, saying, "Holy shit, man! I was at this thing on Saturday evening. Incredible! Like these guys are amazing. Like there's gonna be a buzz then when it and they will 100 percent want to come back. I think there's gonna like I can't see it getting smaller from this point on. No. You know, and it feels like it's gonna be incrementally bigger and bigger. The
0: way I, the way I look at it is, Bellator's in the best position now than it's ever been in. They're doing a great job of acquiring a lot of European talent. But not only that, um, for the first time, I'd say, maybe ever, Bellator could argue that their welterweight champion, Rory McDonald, is the best welterweight in the world. He was the last person to be Tyrone Wally. And you'd easily argue that Gagar Mousasi is the best middleweight in the world. He was on a four or five, five win streak in the UFC and then came over and captured the Bellator middleweight title. I mean, it's for the first time ever since maybe Pride, you look at UFC, the talent there, why not actually be the very best person in the world at that weight
1: class? Yeah, look, in general, I do still think that they probably have a higher talent bracket, but I do think you could argue Musasi definitely could be the best middleweight in the world, and McDonald could be the best welterweight in the world. So, in those two divisions, they have legit guys. And, like, even throughout every division, there's a good, solid core of, like, pretty good guys. I do, though, like, I think there's a wave of us yet to come up where okay maybe they don't have the like 15 20 fights behind them but the level of talent there like you look at most of the amateurs now they're better than the pros were five years ago like you know they're better than the like high-ish level pros were five years ago the level of skill has gone through the roof so i can see a lot of these guys coming in getting fights against legit guys and beating them pretty easily and beating them impressively and then there's going to be this weird flux period where everyone goes whoa all these younger, newer guys are fucking animals, like. And I think it's only going to be, you know, three, four fights before people recognize that and see that, holy shit, there's a massive level, like, there's a level up here where guys yeah,
0: absolutely, because are- you have Neiman Gracie and Ed Root, they both look fantastic at Welterweight. They're, like, very young when the mixed martial arts career. And there's another fella, Claxton, uh, Kimball. Like, Bellator have some great young open comers as well.
1: But even oh, look at James, realize. like, James I mean, is 22, yeah, oh, you know, don't it's ridiculous. Like, lads,
0: you know what I mean? Like, yeah. the Irish lads are, are fantastic, and, like, Kiefer Crosby looks great, very much i looking forward to seeing yourself fight, and um, I think it's, like, inevitable that, like, King Cowell will eventually end up with Bellator at some stage also, you know what I mean? These guys are, like, they're not just here to, you know, make up the numbers. But,
1: oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, they also have a big following as well, which is very important. Look at the likes of your uh, man who's fighting on the Fedor or Bader card, Jack Swagger.
2: Yeah, then uh, even Dylan is, is coming in of back of
1: and then um, Aaron George Shore, he's coming in with the following as well. Yeah, he's like one million him. followers or something. On yeah. yeah, it's crazy. Um, and in a way, like that's one thing about the sport that would slightly frustrate me. It's becoming less about the sport, and more about the celebrity. I understand it's a business, a hundred percent. And look, nobody's making any money if nobody's paying attention. At the same time, guys like that need to be utilized more to give legit lads a chance too. And I'm not saying Jordy Shore isn't legit, or I'm not saying you know any of these boys aren't some way decent. But I do think it should be recognized. Like, here's a guy who got into the sport when he was in his like mid to late twenties, and probably no matter what he does, won't have the time to become world class. Let's recognize what he is, and let's export. Like, let's be honest about what this is. But at the same time, if people want to watch that guy fight, and that like that is it, it's just a level of interest. But there should be a difference in. Here's a fighter who's doing it, like, and he's fighting mid level guys because he's giving himself a bit of a challenge. Yeah. And here's a high class, world class guy who's not got the same social media following, but he's pretty fucking good at this fighting crack. Like, uh,
2: well, see, the thing is, right, it is obviously entertainment. You know what I mean, Yeah, you yeah. People with the following are selling the tickets, so you can, you can understand certain places trying to get the followers Look at, for instance, Golden Boy boxing... Uh, sorry, fighting the way Tito the and um, Chuck fought. But, um,. Do work get onto you guys and like tell you how you can probably improve your sort of social media reach or uh, train you in any sort of way? Or, you know what I mean? Because like obviously Connor is the best. Like he has his own photographer taking hundreds of photographs and he gets to pick all the best captions, everything. But uh, I feel like maybe a few of the lads got a bit of a bit of a, like instructions or did like a course on social media that can help. Because I'm 100 percent sure that photographers around Dublin would love to get into debt take photographs for you, send you on the own photographs, and then you've like top arranged pictures with. And we all know about the pictures, the better the quality, the more likes you're going to get as
1: well. Like, you know what I mean? Yeah, Is yeah. John's ever brought up or any other coaches in the, in, the, in the... Not really, no. It's kind of more your own incentive to go out and get all that sorted. Um, and I suppose you look at somebody like Conor and how well a job they... Or how fucking amazing a the job they've he's done of, you know, making himself a massive celebrity. He, and, he just went over 30 million followers on Instagram there the other day. Jesus. Yeah, see, look. That's... It's like you awesome.
2: <laughs>
1: um like that's fucking glass in a way but it's also like the, yeah, six times the size
0: of Ireland probably isn't it? Yeah not far
1: off yeah Yeah and like you can't deny that that's going to generate money at the end of the day and that's the only like this is the business and that's the only thing that really matters um so i suppose like that's one side of it that i think a few of us could do a much better job at and like recognize the fact that you know, you can be as good at the sport as you want to be, but the main thing is being known. Yeah. And if you're not known, what the fuck are you doing here? Like? Well, when a fight gets you, known, It does, yeah. but you look at guys with, like, 12, 13 and no records, and nobody, like, even there's, I'm embarrassed to say there's loads of guys out there who are fucking amazingly legit fighters that I have no idea who they are. You know, like, you were telling me about this guy, Garcia, who's fighting in the UFC, uh, fighting cowboy. Oh, Hernandez. Hernandez, oh, Hernandez yeah. Sorry, Hernandez. Yeah. So and, yeah, exca- <laughs> exactly. That's what I mean. Like, and he's beaten Benil Dariush and yeah. he's very good. Like, it's shocking I don't know who that guy is. And it's it's, it's almost a bit like look at Tony Vergus and
0: look at Kamara Usman You know what I mean? Like they're winning like nine, ten fights in a row before getting a title shot and it's it's just the way it happens sometimes. You know I mean? Sometimes you know, your mouth gets you into the fights, but sometimes your mouth might write you a check that your body can't cash. Yeah.
1: So, I was absolutely delighted to see Kamara Usman get that fight ahead of Covington, to be honest. Like, yeah. because... there's,
0: there's something about Covington that I just want to see him get absolutely
1: battered. Yeah.
0: I, like, I don't overly really want him to get the title shot either.
1: Yeah. It, it'd be like, could they give him a non title fight yeah. against Woodley and just let Woodley batter him? Yeah. No, it,
0: it's uh, it, it's lunacy it's you now to see what you can do by just being a mouthpiece. And, you know, some people do it very well, other people don't. I look at something like Compton, and, like, you can see all this stuff's written down because when he gets into, like, an on-camera verbal spar against someone, he sort of stutters and doesn't really know what to say, but over, like, when he gets time to write down on social media post, he's very good.
1: Yeah, and, like, some of his stuff, <laughs> you can't but laugh at it. Like, you know, it's just so ridiculous and it's a bit witty and he kind of plays on that, like, Trump card, like, yeah. you know. But at the end of the day, <sighs> what do you want to be? Like, are you going to be happy with that when you're 15, looking at it like probably not <laughs> no you know and like at the end of it like make a living Grant, do what you need to do to make a living out of the sport and nobody's gonna say like don't be as big as you can be and don't go and do but be proud of who you are and be proud of what you do and I think that's incredibly important and like I grew up watching guys like Paul O'Connell and Ron O'Gara and like you know they were my fucking idols as of, when I was a kid it's very hard for me to come along like I have no problem talking to a guy who I'm gonna fight and saying like I'm gonna fucking batter you and I want to like absolutely destroy everything when you're in the cave like i want to destroy you when we're in there but i don't know the nature like i'm not gonna pretend to be something i'm not to big up something like i'm gonna be what i am and i'm proud of what i am um now that doesn't mean you can't do a better job on social media and doesn't mean you can't like put yourself out there a little bit more and like expose what you do a little bit more um i suppose that like you said it's a great idea having a photographer come in because at the end of the day then as soon as you get without a camera, it changes what it is. But if somebody's just in the background with a camera, you're not as aware, so it captures the reality of what it is. Like,
0: yeah, if you do need, need a guy, we actually have a guy. So if you actually do need a guy, we'll, we'll put you in contact. Unbelievable! So, yeah, savage.
1: Sounds good. Um, so,
0: heading towards Dublin, February twenty third. Obviously, we're going to be there. We're going to be there. Neck, basically, K side cheering you on, but. If yeah. It, yeah, we might even get into the octagon. <laughs> we might not. I think
1: Mattress Mick has a spot in the octagon already. <laughs> Excellent.
0: So, I want to know, obviously by your own fight, which other two or three fights are you really looking forward to seeing? Like, who are the guys in the gym you're closest with who you want to, like, watch their fight also? And will you get a chance to watch your fight in relation to preparation to your own?
1: I don't think the official card has been released yet, um, but on the running order that I have, I'm, like, the second last prelim and uh, there'll be a few fights that I really want to see that I'm going to miss so I think Sam Slater's fight uh, is two fights before mine from what I've seen so far I'd love to be able to watch that that's going to be a great scrap he's fighting a lad who's 3-0 and your man seems pretty good Uh, Sam's fucking amazing he puts a lot of work in as well and look I just hope he tears this lad apart and goes on an absolute fucking tear afterwards but uh, it'll be a good fight uh, obviously there's like there's a ton of great fights in this card Kiefer's fight against Solenicek obviously as well like that guy he hasn't got the best record but he's a tough lad like he is like he went I think 6 or 7 and old amateur as well and he's got some very nice armbar finishes he's been caught in his feet a few times and his fight against Keem was crazy but like he came out and he fought like as in he went for it in that fight and I've no doubt that he'll do the same thing in this fight so it's gonna be a tough one for him no matter like people yeah, look the night. that one who knows like at the end of the day man judging what way a fight is going to go is like you know yeah
0: it's a bit like you're sitting there going tail versus Wonderboy, it's going to be the best fight ever and then you watch it and you're
1: like Mush. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah so you just don't know like it can go a thousand different ways and like you hope obviously that everyone is going to be a cracker and the crowd are going to get right behind it but if somebody said to me like beforehand like right as you're about to walk out there do you want to be the best fight at night or do you want to win you want to fucking win so you're going to do what you have to do to win, like. <laughs> uh,
0: absolutely, yeah. I think always on, it. He's like, the idea is to be in there and take as little damage as possible and win in the
1: fastest manner. Now, when there's a crowd cheering you on and you're in that cage, it's hard not to want to go and just fucking smash guys, <laughs> like, as in, like, I'm definitely somebody who gets taken over a little bit by the adrenaline of it all. And, like, that's kind of been what's benefited me. throughout my career, in a way, like, I do think that willingness to want to engage and that willingness to want to, like, damage each other and just the not giving a shit if you're going to try and damage me is something that really has stood to me like and even inspiring like it's one thing that i do feel like i have an advantage in just that kind of ability to be able to say like well look if you're going to land two i'm going to land five
0: no absolutely and like that definitely does take over and you do end up in more of a scrap maybe you thought so because i remember at one of the recent bama shows uh richie Small was fighting reese mckee and it was one of the, one of the best Irishman's martial arts fight I've ever seen it's up but,
1: there yeah. it's an amazing but, fight but the thing was
0: that Richie Spudden was definitely better on the ground but he ended up just getting into a knock with your man and like, they
1: were just going toe for toe he did surprisingly well on his feet in that fight though he landed some nice shots and I was shocked. like look Richie's no slouch like you know on his feet he's not terrible at all but like he's obviously known for his ground game and Those leg locks are yeah and then Reese McKee going for leg locks on him it was a great fight like, as in it was incredible it went Kind of the opposite to what everybody thought, Richie landing lovely shots on the feet, Reese going for the leg locks, and he looked pretty slick with his leg locks, too. You know, he was it was a great fight, Didn't that end up as a draw? yeah, yeah.
2: meal that you really really want to have you know what I mean like some
1: people are like Chinese pizza cheaper you know what I mean what's what are you looking forward to you know what I mean it's kind of boring as fuck but I love porridge <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, that's a, that's a answer you yeah a potato on the side <laughs> um I'd like when I'm cutting the weight I'm just thinking about a big ass bowl of porridge with a lot of honey in it like and that is what I really like and fortunately you know it is one of the things you can eat in between that's not going to really some lads love pizza but as you get a bit more professional about the whole thing you've got to cut that sort of stuff out really before like at the end of the day you're trying to fuel a performance and that's all that matters you can eat all the pizza you want the week after so i always think that like little 36 hour window i still eat super clean obviously eat it way more than you have been for the last few weeks and it feels great just to be satisfied and have a full belly again but oh like that period of time the thing i'm looking forward to most is that bowl of porridge once i'm finished then it's fucking tiger and curries and all sorts of shit like you know well no like once i make weight it's fluids just for a few hours so like you can't eat at that point at all um like i do a fairly big cut like i'm quite heavy right now but uh like most of the time i'll sip water for about an hour and a half um and it'll be like water dextrose a couple of different little amino acids and things like that in there So... That's what
2: feeling. Just what
1: so people get to feel it. It varies. Like, look, I've had totally different build-ups a couple of times. Like, I've had fights where Wednesday fight week, I've never been as nervous in my life. I'm thinking about, you know, my life is going to be over on Saturday if I lose this fight. Like, you're so amped up. and so Like, it's mental, some of the stuff that goes through your head, where you're like, you know, what, like, what will happen after this? Like, what if I lose? Like, um, as I've gotten a little bit more experience but like it's it's the reality of the game like you know you just you're so exposed and you like like you said like i've gone in i've got knocked out in my bellator debut and you're kind of thinking like this is the worst thing that can possibly happen it's absolutely awful whatever and you're like yeah but i'm alive and i can compete again next like i feel like i can compete next week and i'm healthy thank god so you know no matter what i think like you realize that those fears it's good to have them because they do spur you on they do motivate you but at the end of the day they're not real as such it's more of a like dealing with the feeling managing that like energy in a way i hope i get that energy this time around because to be honest rome was the first time that i really didn't have that where there was no fear and that's why i feel like there was a level of complacency but i hope wednesday fight week i'm shitting it And I'm really, really nervous. And I'm thinking like, oh God, this could be absolutely awful. And I'm like shaking when I go into the jacks. And Like the thing is, you're water loading that week anyway, right? So you just feel a bit weird from drinking 12 liters of water a day. Your hands are shaking most of the time. Your body just feels really cold. It's a bit miserable. But it's those kind of moments of like, you'll go into the toilet, you'll look at yourself in the mirror, you'll be like, why are you doing all of this? Like, what is the point of this? And then you kind of go like, no, I fucking love the challenge. And I can't wait for Saturday night. Like and I, like I do feel like I have a better kind of a better bottom line with that than a lot of guys where I'll kind of bring it back to like, here's why you're doing this. And this is what you want out of it. And at the end of the day, that buzz is worth it. Whereas some people will crumble in that situation. When you get there, you'll kinda of, like they'll put themselves down mentally. Where they'll like they'll feel like shit, they'll be nervous. And then they'll say, like, oh, well, like, I bet the other guy isn't this nervous. Or, you know, they'll kind of let those doubts creep in and in and in on them. I'm like, look, I'm nervous as fuck. But I know he is too. And he should be, like, you know.
0: Well, it sounds like there's a, a lot of look yourself in the mirror moments. And, like, you know, staring back at the guy and looking in the mirror and going, look, you either have to buckle up or shut up. You know what I mean? And that's what it comes down to. It's only you in the Oxcon, There's not, like, another ten people playing on the field with you you're the only one who can get the job done so like, obviously that's going to be a daunting task. You're also, I I, I sort of, Frank Mir actually said it and I always remember it that you walk out into a cage half naked and then you find another man with just a pair of gloves on. You know what I mean? It's a a very unique thing to do.
1: It's mad how just becomes normal to you though. As in like, you don't even, yeah, so the first few times you do it, you feel super exposed like that. Like you are like, it's like I'm going out in front of my family with no clothes on and like somebody here is going to get beaten like, you know, Um, and the other guy's family are probably there as well. So it is, it's bizarre in a way, but that becomes your normality and everything becomes normal to you after a while. And like, I suppose the biggest thing is you enjoy the challenge. You enjoy that buzz of being able to do it because i know a lot of people would crumble mentally in this situation and that makes me proud of who i am in a way where like i've it's become my pattern to just face into this stuff and i nearly have to like remove myself before i can go oh yeah that is pretty challenging because it is just what i do it's you know you wake up in the morning you go train and you beat the crap out of each other you go home you eat you go back in you beat the crap out of each other again That'd be a tough. Like you know, most people that break down after a couple of days of doing that. Like, and obviously, look, you need rest. You need to give your body a break the all time. But like, I love that being my day. You know, I'm so excited to get up in the morning to go in and do that. Like to face those challenges. To maybe like, you know, I'm the lad who'll always try and get that hardest round in. There's a guy coming in. He's a black belt. All right, he's new. He's from the different gym. Let's see what he's like. Oh, he's caught me with this leg lock twice. Okay, I'm going for you again. Let's go. Like, so. I love that attitude of just embrace that challenge and get on with it. Like, and see what it gives you. And at the end of the day, look like the sport isn't fucking necessarily going to give you anything amazing out of it. Like, it's not fair. There is no like effort equals reward type situation in this, but it, life yeah, it is. That's the thing. And it develops character and it develops life experience. So if nothing else, you can take all of that from it, that you're going to become a better human and you're going to get better at dealing with adversity from the whole thing. Uh, just before
2: we wrap it up but alright obviously we've been friends on Instagram for a while all I think you're like a cool, funny guy um, and I just really enjoy following what you're doing online it's cool especially the Irish thing definitely helps you know what I mean but um, obviously you are fighting now taking on Sean Taylor, who
1: knows if that opposition changes again yeah let's hope he shows up like well hopefully whoever goes in we're we're not I'd like if it was him though sounds good obviously this is just my last word but uh, will honestly can't wait to see a fight that was nice winning lads really appreciate the buzz
0: so before you go we can't let you go without giving us a prediction so how does Will flurry win on February 23rd
1: late first round TKO yeah yeah, so yeah. after yeah he's gonna try and close the distance and he's gonna get hit with something big um, and I'll tell you what it is before the fight and you'll know what it is and afterwards you can say, fuck, Will Flurry was right. Yeah. <laughs> <World before. laughs> Good uh, stuff. Well, thanks
2: made for having us on. Oh, sorry, well, do you have it? do you want to give your Instagram or Twitter
1: shout outs or um, yeah, So sponsors rented? Yeah. Um so I'm Will Flurry on Instagram. I'm Will Fucking Flurry on Twitter. Um yeah, I've a Facebook fan page, just Will Flurry MMA, I think. And uh sponsors wise, I've got Mattress Mick in my corner. <laughs> um, he's local here. Yeah, yeah, he's a fucking great lad. So, the so I did a mattress challenge in South Africa, and uh, I won the mat. It was like a competition to see who could hold a mattress over their head the longest between all of us, right? <laughs> and I won that. And uh, there was a guy managing me who was just like, "Your mattress, make me love that." Like, and he sent it on to him, and he was interested. Then after, and like we're working together now, and he's he's gonna come to the fights, and yeah, it's gonna be like, it's a brilliant one to have. Like, I'm just delighted with that. And then, obviously, A Corner Coffee, Ross Nutrition. Um, Not me, Nutrition. Yeah. Ross Nutrition. Yeah. Ross, or whatever. Yeah. Ross, Ross, Ross but Nutrition. Myself. Yeah. Those guys. Yeah, those guys. <laughs> R-O-S yeah. Nutrition. i will tag them all in the post for you anyway. Good stuff. Yeah. So,
2: that's the end show. Well, thanks a million for coming on, man. Uh, this has been great crack. And uh hope you come on after and you can explain how you got that knockout done in uh, 12 seconds.
1: All right. <laughs>
0: So, guys, thanks a million for listening to the Energised Podcast. And as always, stay energised.